everybody. Welcome to episode 180 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm the other host, Paul Robinson, and um, I'm very excited today because we have a very special guest, um, and it's somebody that we're very excited to have on. Hold on, actually. Do you see us? No, I actually don't. Oh. See a logo. There you go. Sorry. Hi. Hi. I was just looking at like, What a pleasure for you now. It's better. It's better. <laughs> nice. Nice little studio. That's the other side of a bedroom, sir, because, you know, <laughs> we prioritize our life that way. <laughs> it works. It works. All right. Sorry. All right. I just realized that our video was a. Okay. From logo. the top. Yeah. Sir. I hope I get my my non-union rates for this. I'm having to do this over. You're getting this nothing. sets a mess. You're a terrible director. Okay. And hey everybody, well, <laughs> everybody, welcome to episode 179 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson, and I'm very excited today because we have a, a special guest, yes, we have a guest that we are eager to have on after viewing. A certain film, which we yes. will get into. What is your name, sir? Jonathan Cuartas. Nice. Happy to be here. Cuartas, hey. are you Cuban? I am Colombian American. My parent, my parents are both from Colombia. Nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm nice, a nice, I'm, nice guess. I'm a a Puerto Rican mutt, but my Spanish is terrible. Mm. Yeah. I would be shamed. <laughs> I'm just a white dude. <laughs> You're just so, a big white guy. <laughs> yep. Just um, a white dude. So, uh, so you're over in Miami, correct? Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's why I went with the stereotype. I'm like, Cubans, Miami, right? You must be Cuban. <laughs> Obviously. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what is the name of your film? Let's get into this. Yeah. My name, the name of the film is My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Okay, cool. So um, I was skimming through Amazon as I usually do. I go kind of like through this monthly like binge and purge where I'm like, what's new? What's new? And uh, I came across the title. Well, like stuff that it's like, that's, yeah, that's just, I'm like, I'm never going to watch this. Um, And the title jumped out at me. I was like, I love obscure titles like when they when they fit Mm -hmm. you know sometimes people go crazy with them and it's like what is that uh but i was like this is interesting and uh i watched the trailer but i didn't watch all of the trailer because i don't want to know a lot you know (laughs) so i just i needed just enough to be like okay this is interesting and um so we we watched that film. We we really liked it, and I was like, let's see let's see if this guy. We hated it, so we're like, let's have the director on. (laughs) Let's have the director on. Um, so uh. How long ago did you make the film? We shot it in 2019. And then we kind of, I feel like we had two releases because mm. of COVID. Like yeah. we were yeah. supposed to premiere Tribeca 2020. So it was like a whole year of virtual festivals, mm-hmm. which was which was funny. And then just a bunch of, like all the Q&As I've done have been like through this, through, through Zoom or podcasts. And it's been an interesting trip. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this is, um, this is, I, I always, do I get his name? Is it Patrick Fugit? Yeah. Um, so we have First watched all, a lot of his I films. Could, like, I we could, love him. I could do an entire <laughs> podcast on that guy. I absolutely, yeah. I've been a huge fan of his for, for many years. Um, so I, I watch anything that dude's in because there's just something about him that's so um, mesmerizing. And um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's just so, one of those actors that like isn't like, you know, He's not like in Marvel movies, so people probably don't know who he is. Um, well, he, you know, you like, I think most people see him and they're like, oh, the almost famous kid. Yeah. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and he has such a baby face. He's in, like, to me, he's still like 19 because he looks so young. Um, but also, uh, Ingrid, Sophie, is it Shram? Scram. Scram. And then Owen Campbell, uh, yeah, where right. they were siblings in, in, in the film. But uh, I have to admit, like, at first when I, when I, saw this the the premise during the the trailer i was like i can't picture him patrick in a dark anything like really dark i mean he we did watch that other show that he did that was was that right. cast. yeah yeah and so i was like okay because when we saw him in that we're like this is different for him and so this i was like this is going to be interesting your film was the first film that i was like oh he can get violent and dark and that's awesome because you yeah. don't you know i feel like he's since he has such a sweet young face he gets typecast a lot probably and well he grew a beard like a little some facial hair so yeah that, well yeah that's the but, first step into like being, <laughs> being a dark aggressive character. yeah um but i'm curious what made you go with him because i don't think most people would look at him and think, oh, this this person can get really, uh, really dark. And I didn't think it. And when I saw those scenes of him being so aggressive, I was like, this is awesome because I didn't even know he had this in him. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because we thought my brother, who's who's, who's my DP, but he's like another director almost. Mm -hmm. We just thought it would it would be so interesting to kind of transform an actor like this because we were just into this thing like Steve Carell and Foxcatcher where yes. they just you you get this actor that you do not expect like you're saying and then you just like rough them up and make them like like strip them down to the to the core of their being and see what you can get and I think that we've seen Patrick of course he started an almost famous so he's had this track record where in Gone Girl he plays a cop and he's always like a polished handsome man and mm -hmm. I just thought it'd be interesting to just strip him down and have him sit with bad posturing, grow a beard and be like weirdly out of shape and just be like this melancholic guy who has mm -hmm. to kill people. Mm -hmm. And he was just completely down for that task of being this violent person. But at the same time, we were speaking a lot about the regret that he carried doing it. Like he wasn't going to be this cool killer. Mm -hmm. Right. He was going to be like, this sad hulking man who just didn't really know how to do it properly. And he was just down for that. And the way we got him was through our producer, Kenny, who's from Salt Lake city, which is where we shot. He lives in Miami and we had worked with him and Kenny's actually like childhood friends with Patrick oh, because nice. Patrick is, he's from Salt Lake city as well. So that's how we got that connection. But Kenny sent him the script and he did not say that it was a horror film. So the way that it starts, <laughs> <laughs> he just said like, here's this script and Patrick was reading it and it starts with him picking up a homeless man and Patrick right. was like, okay, 
uh, this is interesting. Maybe he's going to help the guy. And then wham, he hits, <laughs> hits him in the head of the bat. They go into the <laughs> kitchen and drain his blood. And Patrick was just like, what the hell am I reading? But he said that it was very exciting because then his expectation shifted towards horror. But then it kind of shifted back to some like a strange family drama, mm-hmm. like wrapped mm-hmm. in this horror world. And he said he just kept like kept changing his expectations. And I think that's what excited him about it. Yeah. I yeah. really loved that the way you filmed it, um, or I should say your brother, I guess, through from the interior of the truck, because uh, it, it added such a like, you know, you knew something was coming. There was this ominous tone that had sort of taken over. But I loved the way that was shot. I just really liked, I liked that shot selection. And um, going back to, to you saying that it wasn't, it, his, his violence wasn't so super hype, like hyper masculine yeah. and proud. It was that this is what he had been reduced like to said, in his yeah. life and he, he regretted it, but this was obviously the pattern that, uh, that he was in. Wasn't he in Risk Cutters? Is that the other movie that I'm thinking yes. that we liked him in? Yeah, so it's uh, that was killing me. I was like, "What are <laughs> something else?" Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's. I have I have this. Uh, I have a theory that comedic actors make the best villains, and yeah. every time. So we've had people on the show, and my you know we've had a lot of comedic people on the show, and every time I talk to them, like, as we're having the conversation, I'm thinking, I want to write a script. And I want this person to be the bad guy or the bad girl because I think that that the range that you have to have to be comedic lends itself so well to that character development. And people usually don't like to see that with the Steve Carell's. We saw Fox Casher in the theater because I was like, because I love uh, Mark Ruffalo as well. And I was like, this is going to be crazy. And I thought Steve Carell and I'd known the story because I'd seen the documentary. So I was like, how is he going to play this character? This is such a weird, but he, he does resemble him. So it made sense, you know, obviously they had prosthetics and stuff, but uh, and he did amazing in that. And I love comedic actors in serious roles. Usually it, those are my favorite roles of theirs. Yeah. Uh, so it was- yeah, yeah, I think it, it is because they can go so over the top when they're doing comedy, mm-hmm. but that just means they could go all the way in the opposite direction and just be like, the way that they carry the stoicism or have like this intensity, I think they have such a good method of like reining it in that it's it's very it's very stunning when you see it. Yeah, and there's that uh, I think there's something to be said about commitment as well. You know, when you're on stage in front of people and you're telling them a story because most good good comedians are telling stories and you have to commit to that story. And I think you know it's absurd because you're trying to make people laugh. And I think when you're committing to anything like that and you're able to get in that headspace yeah it lends itself to the the character development so well and and it's crazy because patrick would just like snap in and out of it like in an instant he'd just be like joking around and then we would be shooting like the darkest scene and then when i called action he just like snapped into character and his eyes would get sad and he would like well up his eyes would well up for the scene and then when i called cut he's like oh and i bet you like that and he started laughing it's like he just snaps into it yeah. immediately i i have so much respect for actors that can do that you know uh and not to say i have anything against method per se but yeah. you know the, the ability that a lot of the great actors have to just go in and out like that it just mm-hmm. speaks volumes about the commitment to the craft the homework they've done on the character and everything 
Yeah. And, and Owen and Ingrid, which I think are amazing too. And it was just great to work with all three of them, but Owen and Ingrid needed a little bit more. I wouldn't say they're a method, but they needed a little more time to like soak into the world mm -hmm. and, and have like conversations, which I love doing, but it's interesting to see the different ways yeah. that, that people work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ingrid also though, she was, she, you know, she had this sort of baseline tone uh, and then there was the scene at the table. Yeah. And I didn't see that coming from her either. I was like, oh, <laughs> and, I was right. like, uh, and that was that was really cool to see, uh, you know, and 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 also, um, you know, Owen's character. So, I mean, obviously, we we, we mostly spoil things because, uh, you know, we're, we're talking in depth about the story and stuff. And Owen's character is like, I, I wasn't sure what we were going to get from him when this when the, the film started, I thought. I can't see myself being afraid of this kid or disliking him. Um, and that was what was so interesting was that, you know, he they were all victims in his life. And, uh, you know, he didn't like this any more than they did. The, the scene at the end sort of reminded me of um, Let the Right One In. Mm -hmm when the woman is in the hospital bed yeah. and I the loved fire. that scene in the hospital bed. I was like, that's so cool. So once like, once they were kind of going through that conversation, I was like, Oh my God, please tell me he's going to open that window. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling where it was going to go. I was like, yes. And I love that you don't show it. I love that there's no backstory. We have no idea mm -hmm. how this started. Yeah. Why, why is he the only person in the family who's like this? Did something happen to him? Is this biological? Like what's going on? Um, why are all the siblings uh, on board? Yeah. You know, um, and then I started to wonder: Could there have been more siblings that jumped off board? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. It's going to yeah. have been a bigger family. Where are the parents? Did they for kill Christ the parents? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's you know that's like my favorite part of storytelling, and we've talked about this on the show a lot. Is like I hate films that are over detailed. And I realize that, especially for American viewers, we have to do that because people have to have every aspect of the story. If they don't have every aspect of it, they hate it. Uh, but uh, I loved that we just didn't know how we got into this situation, but they were in it. And, uh, and their way of getting out of it was really interesting. Yeah. What, so you wrote this. Yeah. What, yeah. what had prompted you to go with... Because vampire's tricky. Vampire's like people hear vampire. It it's, for me, it's like zombie, right? When someone says, it's a zombie film, I'm like, I'm out. Like, I'm done yeah. with zombies. Yeah. Um, but I love, like, Let the Right One In. Yeah, it's a vampire film, but it's not a vampire film. It's yeah. almost like a more of a, a drama that happens to have this, uh, a, I'm going to make a word, well, a you, vampiric tone. Yeah, but I think yeah. you could take that whole vampire thing out and you still have an you amazing still ha story. Yeah, like if he wasn't a vampire, but he just had... He was just like uh, killing people or something, you know, and they were st sticking around because he was their brother. It would have still worked. You know, the dynamic yeah. would have still worked. Yeah, I just I, I think for me, it's 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 the most fun when you're using, I guess, these classic um, archetypal characters, but to talk about something else. So this actually started as a short in film school and I made a thesis film. And interestingly enough, in the short film, it was cannibalism mm -hmm. instead of vampirism. And that was we're, Kira or Kuru. Kuru, yeah. right. We were speaking about it with the with our executive producers, and 
they said, they know that I don't like to explain things. And I didn't explain things in the short, but what they said was cannibalism is not really like a biological thing. When you look at like the silence of the lambs, that's right. all like a psychological mm-hmm. need to eat the, this flesh. Right. But we knew, everyone knows when you hear vampires, you know that they need blood and they can't be exposed to sunlight. Those are like the two rules, baseline rules. There's like a bunch of other things, but it was a way for me not to have to explain. And then as well, the story kind of developed from an experience I had with my grandmother when she was in hospice and have a huge family. My dad is the youngest of 10 siblings and we were all crammed into this house. And you just start to see the way that families work and don't work. And there's just a bunch of tension and everyone has their opinion on how um, a loved one's way of life should continue or not continue Mm -hmm. when, especially when you know, they're not going to get better. So you know that eventually they're going to have to pass and it's about determining when and what's the best way, uh, best quality of life for that person. But at the same time, we're still a family. So there was always love Even if there was like this weird tension, we all still felt like we do share the same blood. We're all family. So we love each other in some way. And I thought, what's the best subgenre to show this with? And I thought vampirism would work because there's the cyclical nature behind it. It's like, we have to keep feeding this person and it keeps taking a toll on this family because the sacrifices are not just for him, but it takes a toll on Dwight and Jesse as well. Like you were saying, everyone's kind of a victim here. And even even the victims, obviously. And so that was a way of humanizing everyone's experience in the film. And I thought, treat vampirism like a sickness. And that's how we approached it, really. Yeah, the the um, the 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 chemistry between everybody was obviously amazing, and I, I'm I'm really curious to know how a lot of the more kind of aggressive scenes, like I'm specifically thinking of the hmm. the 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 last guy, yeah, the the friend that he brings into the house, and him and and Patrick's character kind of have that moment in the kitchen, um, and it's so natural, so like it it really looks as if you were just filming this thing happen, and so I'm curious as to how you kind of approached those elements of the film because they were they were all done so well. And, and so you, you got that kind of like, obviously safety is a big concern from, for people that know, you know, about filmmaking, but you were still able to kind of capture a lot of that aggression and a lot of that kind of more um, volatile stuff. So how did you kind of approach that with, with the actors? My, my brother and I had a specific way that we wanted to shoot this movie and we wanted to be very objective, like shoot, it's almost like we were looking into the window of this house and we're like peeking in and watching this family from a distance. And we didn't want to really place judgment with the camera. So the camera is very distant. It's outside of doorways, outside of windows, um, a lot of frames within frames. And we're just trying to, we're kind of like voyeurs looking into this family situation. And I think that that allowed the actors to kind of go into a place that maybe they wouldn't if the camera was very suggestive and in their face. Mm -hmm. I know Patrick has spoken about the fact that he liked having the space and that the camera was just still and watching and he just had to give it his all because the camera wasn't doing all the work for him. Mm -hmm. And he liked the fact that the camera wasn't so intrusive or it wasn't always moving. 
And I feel like it's interesting to just observe. And we didn't want to show the violence in a gratuitous way either. We wanted to just, I spoke about this thing called emotional violence where it was the suggested violence that was worst or the way that it affected the, the psyche of this care of these characters. And I think that this simple rule that my brother and I had, which was to stay outside most of the time and stay still most of the time, I think it helps um, place you in this certain world that these people are stuck in this house and it gives you that sense. But it was also a choice that I think helps with the low budget because then we don't have to move the camera all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's like the perfect harmony for a small, small film like this because you don't want it to get in the way of the creative, but when the creative is helping like curb costs, that's the best of both worlds because then you don't need to have all this gear, which we didn't have to like do all these fancy moves, but it was nice not to do that. It was nice to just frame something up and, and worry about like what is actually happening in the, in the scene, you know? Yeah. It really grounds the film. And, and to your point, I think it really kind of makes you feel, cause it, you know, this, this things are happening. And a lot of times when there's a, a situation like a fight or, or whatever it is, you're, you're kind of like shocked and stuck in that moment, like watching it, you don't know what to do. And so kind of a, a lot of that carried through in that, you know? And so. I want to just yeah. shout out your brother's Michael. Quartas, right? Because uh, yeah. we people always we we love to have like DPs on the show, and uh, some of my my favorite guests have been literally been my favorite DPs that uh, I never thought would even come on the show, but no one ever thinks of DPs, and so they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll talk yeah. on your show. Yeah. Are you sure you want to talk to me and not the director? It's like, yeah, no, no, yeah. no I want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I, I the directors get all the glory. They do the for better or worse. They get all the glory. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, that, that's, you know, that's why you either write and direct, hello, yeah. or you marry a director so that you're writing, <laughs> you get an input yeah. as a writer. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but what I, I loved most in those scenes was that, um, so I felt like he was filming a lot, like right at the cusp of, of the door frame. Yeah. So you were never quite in the room with them, but you were always, it was almost voyeuristic. Like mm-hmm. you were intruding, like you were watching these people. But uh, I thought that the camera work was so interesting, and it's not something that you see very often because usually there's, you know, there's a lot of, close, you know, close in your face, handheld, like right up and you know, and uh, and then there's always the the temptation to record the violence and have that so that everybody could see it. Uh, going back to when you said that you don't like to give a lot of information, I love that about you because that's the one thing people complain about with my writing is like it's it's so vague. And I'm like, yeah, right. Cause I want you to use your imagination, but you know, people hate doing that. So yeah. sometimes yeah. it yeah. doesn't always work for me, but I love that you're for a moment. I actually wondered, um, and this, and this goes to, you know, to credit the writing where you can kind of go off before the scene where he goes outside to, to throw the plane, the, the note to the kid. I was, there was a moment where I was like, what if he's not a vampire? Mm. You know, it's like, yeah, imagine if that. nothing happens yeah. and like, then how do we explain this? Like, why is this kid just like feasting yeah. on blood? And, but then he's actually not a vampire. And I thought that's also like, an, you know, another interesting, uh, like if this was something that they've been told and going into, you know, yeah. how people just 
take at face value what their families say to them. And uh, it's it's like the telephone game. I, I always found that really interesting where people tell a story and they say, oh, my great-great-grandfather, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I wonder what the actual story is because that telephone game through the decades yeah. always changes. And so... Um, but then the the way that he burned was also cool, you know. It was like, okay, so he is a vampire, um, and and Owen also is so he's so like ambiguous in age. Like that kid could have been seventeen or thirty, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I couldn't, which is perfect for it because yeah. you know I I couldn't tell if he looked like shit for seventeen or if he looked really good for forty because he had been you know feeding on blood and he was a vampire and you hear this so often. Um, and that, that was another really cool thing. It was like, there just was no, there was really there, no telling where that kid was in life. Yeah. And it's interesting because, because he is kind of like, he's my age, I'm 29 and he's 29 too, but he just looks so much younger. Yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, the way that I wrote him at first was I put like 21 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were having conversations and another thing about vampires is that they don't age. Right. So, and, and like you're saying, I, I, I love being subtle and sometimes it's hard to toe the line between subtlety and vagueness. And people have definitely said that this movie doesn't explain. And I, I think it's not for everyone, but I'm, I'm in your camp where I love putting the pieces together myself. And there's this very subtle thing that I did where um, Jesse and Thomas are doing math together. Mm -hmm. It's a short little scene. And at first I wrote it like, she's teaching him but then i thought what if they're the same age and mm. he just hasn't aged what if all three of the siblings are the same age right. and he doesn't age anymore and then they're just homeschooling together so i'm like okay let me play it like if they're learning together instead of her teaching him mm. and that was my very subtle way of showing that but i i think it's interesting that it's never expressed um like it's never it's very implicit or some people don't even think about it, but I thought it was, it was a good note that was brought up by one of our producers. Yeah. 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 And to your point, I, I, I went into this film blind. I knew I didn't watch yeah. the trailer or anything. And so uh, I like to do that. You know, I, 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 <clears throat> I want to just go in. I don't even want to know what genre it is. I just want to experience the film. Yeah, You went whatever. like, he, he, I don't know, however many minutes into it, he went, Oh, this is a vampire film. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is he it? had no but idea. The thing, but the thing that really like, kind of blew me away about it was like, I was like, okay, this, so, so this is a vampire thing. Is like the blood and everything. And I went, and just then like wait. halfway through, I'm like, wait, is the blood making this person? See? You know, so there was just, you know, and I think to your point, if you're spelling all this stuff out, you know, if the, you know, I see like a big budget version of this film where like there's a, a history of the mom went to some, you know, uh, you know obscure island and and you know yeah, got sick always, or something yeah. and then had this big but you know the fact that i kept questioning what was really happening um really put me in that moment right because i didn't you know um i know as an actor um not not that i am an actor but as an actor you want to have a backstory and you want to know when you go into a scene what what were you just doing but i think like to to the to the point that we've been making about it the the um, subtlety of everything and when you kind of just are in that moment it's like you just came over to visit and you're like what the fuck is going on here like, what, is, <laughs> what is what is this and so it's something that I halfway through the film I'm like started to realize what what is happening here and really just started to fall in love with the film there because 
I'm learning about these characters. I don't, nothing's, nothing is spelled out for me. So it's the biggest kind of like um, show, don't tell kind of thing, you know? And um, I just really, really appreciated it because I'm questioning everything in this film, you know? I'm like, wait, is he really, like, is this, and then, you know, once he gets burned, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. But then it's like, and, and at that, by that point, when there's that hard proof, um, I'm like, it's so subtle that it's, it's something that I truly, truly appreciated. So I can't say enough good things about the structure of it and and all that stuff. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, and I, and I like that. I like this kind of thing, like not knowing everything and kind of. Pete, it's it's almost like you're introducing all these questions up front, and then you slowly answer them. Mm-hmm. Like even even the Christmas thing, like you you just believe that they celebrate Christmas, but yeah. then you find out that it's April, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just love these revelations. And I, I think one of my biggest influences besides let the right one in was um dog tooth because it's just okay this family unit where you just yeah. buy you buy into what they're doing because you're so stuck with them mm-hmm. but as soon as you bring in an outsider that's that's your connection to the real world and mm-hmm. it makes you think like what is this what's going on right. and so for us that was like the kid like bring the kid in the house and then you start to see this facade crumble away and you're like okay this isn't a normal family I started to um, also wonder, like, if there was, and I may have completely made this up, if there was, like, a slight sexual tension between, uh, we're going to say the two older, because we don't really know their ages, um, and that there was almost, like, a betrayal Mm. when she found out that he was seeing a prostitute because it's like they don't have the opportunity or the life, the type of freedom to actually have relationships with people. So it had like that kind of flowers in the attic type of like where they, their siblings have to become their, their, their sexual partners almost. And, and because they don't have another outlet, her, you know, her, her emotion in that seemed more than, you know, because otherwise, if it was just like, oh, I don't want to kill this person because I'm using them for sex. But it seems like she was just genuinely hurt that he had found someone outside of their circle and that he was kind of fulfilling that. And I, I like that if there was sexual tension, that it wasn't acted upon in the actual film, that you didn't see it. But I, I just kind of like wondered that, you know, in a, in a situation like that where they don't have a, a, a way of being in relationships, that that might yeah. actually come up, you know. It did come up and, and we, we talked about it and we talk, we did acknowledge that it was strange, but I think it's also because of the fact that they're playing parents like the yeah. She's yeah. like the matriarch and he's the father figure and it's this unit of three and because they're a little bit older physically at least and he's younger and they're feeding him they take on this role of mm-hmm. being these parent parental figures and I think by nature of that there's this unconditional love, but Jesse's kind of takes it personal that he would rather go out and it's even just like quality time. It couldn't, it not even goes, it doesn't even go to the sexual point, but Mm -hmm. it's still strange because she's jealous about who he's spending time with instead of being with them. Mm -hmm. He's going out and looking for it somewhere else. And I thought that that was, that was strange the way she, she handles that situation. Yeah, it's summed up so well in that dinner table scene where he's he he really wants to go outside and he he hears the kids playing and 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 um and um 
uh, Ingrid, I think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Her character was like um, very like, no, you can't go out. And then and then he goes to Patrick's character and is like, yeah, can I go? Sides. And that's that's kind of like how you treat parents. You know, you ask yeah. your mom and she says no, yeah. and then you go to your dad or vice versa. And um, so I thought that was just so so well realized in that way. Um, and and uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up. I know we talked about it a little bit before, but the um, the the cinematography and the mood of everything, you know, because it's it's daytime a lot, but it's still very moody. It's still very kind of dark, and and so a lot of that obviously is because yeah, they have really to tape up the, the windows grading. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the grading was really nice. Um, and everything, but they you guys did such a good job of kind of capturing this kind of like moody. I mean, I, I know moody is just kind of like overused, but I feel like it's very applicable here in that you were able to capture all that without kind of losing the fact that, I mean, I know inside the house, you don't really know what's what, what's what. It could be two o'clock in the afternoon. It could be two o'clock in the morning. It's like, but I feel like that's kind of the point. They live in this perpetual kind of darkness, right. you know? Yeah. Um, but even when you're outside, it's still still able to kind of maintain that, that aesthetic tone. Okay. Yeah. That was really well done. And we felt... Trust me, we lost sense of time. Like sometimes we'd, <laughs> we'd be shooting and we open a window like, oh my God, it's <laughs> yeah, daytime. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't know, which this is great, by the way. Like if you're ever going to shoot a movie that's horror and it's going to do, you're going to do a lot of overnights, just do a vampire film because you can board up all the windows and then you yeah. can just shoot during that's the awesome. day and play it like it's nighttime. And I think, yeah, I think the world of the film is very it's captured just so well by my brother, but also he's able to capture the set, which I think was like beautifully rendered by another person in my family, which was my dad, who was the production designer on this, um, Rodrigo. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time he does it. He did it on a short of ours, but um, he's kind of always been into art. And we just thought, why don't we just make it a family affair? Like this is about a family and this mm-hmm. is kind of about your family in a way. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's do it. And funny. Cause everyone was like, Oh, it's the three Quartas brothers, <laughs> 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 which he, which he never denies, but uh, <laughs> um, he, yeah, I think it, it was just about how do we make it all the like color palette was an important thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, it's all earth tone. So it almost has this like natural sepia tone without mm-hmm. having to overgrade it. Mm-hmm. And then my brother's lighting and then our, our colorist, Gosha, she's like this fantastic uh, Polish co- colorist. She really brought out like these golden tones and everyone looks just like so warm. And, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's strange. It's strange that it still feels like sickly, even though it's yeah. warm light, it's not like green light, but yeah. I think that has to do with just the way everything's like so aged. Yeah. It, I don't know if this is a, a compliment or an insult. So, oh boy, here we but go. But it <laughs> the grading up. reminded me of bile, mm. like the way like the the way bile has like this greenish You're yellow. Disgusting. I well, I'm I'm like medical stuff, so okay. I always go to that. But I, you know, it for the it record, ha- I did not think of bile <laughs> when watching your film. I don't know where she's going. <laughs> Just I in like the grading, <laughs> just in the grading. And, you know, when you think of bile, you think of being ill. And it was yeah. like, even though he was the sick one, they all had this, just this, because also there's, there's the health, there's the health issues on their side, being stuck inside all the time or most yeah. of the time, uh, their vitamin D levels had to be shit at that point. <laughs> so they, 
they don't look well mm-hmm. because they're not well. You know, nobody nobody's doing well in that in that household. And so I, I just I just remember thinking of like this has like this. It made me think of like end stage that type of moment where everything, you know, where people become sort of jaundiced and you can sort of see how someone's not going to come out of something, you know, where it's like, there's those stages in, in illness that, you know, unfortunately with personal experience, you know, it's like you, you see someone and you think this is not something that's going to correct itself. And there's a change in a person's skin tone. And and that's what it reminded me of. It just had like this very, bile like you know yeah. kind of feel to it and for for owen for thomas for the character of thomas we kind of preserve some of those greens and in, in his skin tones like we i remember the color so it was like she was pushing it even more she's like he's sick like let's make him look alien like something's wrong with him mm-hmm. physically and i think that's very important too apart from just like the makeup of making him pale but it was it was good to kind of differentiate the two siblings from him mm-hmm. as far as like the way his skin reacts to the light. So I think that's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, to your earlier point, I think not body fluid. No, no. Okay. Before that. Okay. Um, but uh, the the set design, you know, I mean, that's something that's so important because I feel like a lot of people want to find their the look of the film in the grade. And I feel like production design is kind of the first step in that because, you know, if you want a film like like you have where it's you kind of have like these really warm um, earth tones. um, And yes, you can certainly pull that out in the grade. But if you're filming it, it's like, you know, half the work's already done for you, you know, and so now you can get creative with it and you don't have to kind of balance it out towards that way. Fix it and pre. Fix it and pre. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My, My brother and I started like with really low budget like very just a camera no lighting so we were or not not that we didn't have lighting we bought like these chinese knockoff lights and so what we had was we had a decent camera with lights and we would always just try to make the best frame and the best like mise-en-scene with the lighting so i think we just resorted to actually constructing a nice composition mm-hmm. instead of relying on like a really good camera yeah so i think this trained us to um appreciate you guys are like our miami twins that's yeah. exactly how we function we're yeah. always like learn how to get the best look out of what you have yeah yeah and that was the mentality we had and i think in doing that one of the things was we didn't have a colorist and we didn't have like da vinci so we were coloring it ourselves. So most of our shorts were barely colored. It was like yeah. just this here and there, but a lot of it was done on set. And that's how we we just have this mentality going into the feature. And she did, Gosha did a lot of work to bring things out, but I think it was still true to what we shot on set. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't like a huge color shift or anything. Right, right. Um, yeah. Did you get any pushback you know, in, in, from the producers or studio that like they wanted a more typical story. Was there like, Hey, at what point is he going to like twilight out and become yeah. like this hot vampire yeah. that, you know, when do we see the teeth? What's happening? Yeah. Or like, you know, when, <laughs> when is there going to be like gratuitous nudity yeah. or like, does just he a very, sparkle at any point? Yeah, Very sexy, you know, kind of vampire. Like was how, how close to the final product was your, your vision? It's interesting because our 
the producer I told you about, Kenny, he was the only executive producer and one other guy, Matt. And it was just them handling the financing and everything. And they're just, they have such good taste. So I never had to really stress. Like there were things that they would, they did say that in a different way. They're like, oh, can we get a little more of these tropes? Like just to Mm -hmm. make it feel familiar, but they never wanted it to be like, over the top or anything Mm -hmm. they just wanted a little bit more in terms of genre in general like maybe something more disturbing or giving into that a little bit which which i agreed with them and i just think my mentality was i'm making a feature like it was it felt surreal yeah i remember my brother and i would always tell everyone like yeah we're gonna make a feature for like five years and everyone was probably like please shut up about the feature like we've been saying that for 14 years (laughs) we keep making shorts (laughs) So when we were we were finally on set and it was just like now's the chance for us to show people what we've got, but also listen to the people that have done it mm-hmm. and know more than us. And I just trusted the producers and up up from script changes all the way to edit changes. Like we cut off 30 minutes of the film. The ending of the film was completely different. Oh, really? Oh, man. Um, you're so got to send us yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Dwight dies in the original. Oh, and really? It's just like so much of it changed. And a lot of it was Kenny and Matt telling us, like, how do you feel about it? It was never like you have to do this. It right. was like, do you really think that this works? Like maybe we can put this here and there. So we completely Frankenstein the ending. But now the way I see it is like that's the ending. I don't yeah. see it like, oh, that's their cut and the right, director's right. cut. I just love it now. I think it works. But it, it just goes to show like even with our editor or our actors or anyone, even the gaffer, like just you just have to trust them because if you're bringing them on, it's like casting, but with a crew, you trust their ability and yeah. their talent. And people have better ideas than you a lot of the time. And you just have to be able to discern like which ones work and which ones don't. But I mean, everyone's being, it's all being open. Yeah. I mean, everyone's uh, kind of working for the story anyway, you know, and if something works better for the story. I'm curious, though, is if, if exactly. some of the feedback was was um, from a marketing perspective or from a creative perspective. I think it always stemmed from creative because I remember in the script, if you think, if you thought it was slow now, the (laughs) script at first was like way slower. Like a lot of the film was just them at home, like sleeping and watching TV. And Mm -hmm. I remember Kenny's like, you got to make them do something. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, this is, this is the first feature that I write. Like I've been, I'm not, one of those people who has like 30 feature scripts lying around. Right. It's very hard for me to write a, a screenplay, especially a feature, so many moving parts, but I didn't know really like structure and like how to do, I just, I got the short film script Kuru and I literally opened that document and started filling in pages, mm-hmm. like filling in gaps. And I think Kenny really, Kenny and Matt, and even my brother, like he, he's almost like another writer um and even my younger brother who's not in the film industry they all just give me advice and it's almost like not even film advice it's like Mm -hmm. oh how do why it's almost like we need to love these characters before you throw them into the shit 
And mm-hmm. it's just simple things like that that made me add like the Christmas things and the karaoke yeah. things. Like yeah. that wasn't there in the beginning. It was just more bleak than that. So did the title come from this? So did you have the song in mind and then you were like, that's going to be the title or did that come afterwards? That was actually another idea Kenny had. This was a song that he wanted to use for one of his movies because he's also a director. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, this song was recorded in Miami um, in the 60s. And so that was our little tie to home. And we heard this song and we, first of all, it's just a beautiful soul song. And then we saw that we read the lyrics and we're like, what? This has so much to do. Like, I'm controlled by your love, mm-hmm. heart can beats, and, and, and then the blood thing and, and just the, the theme of family and familial obligation. And so we, we thought, okay, we can't call it I'm controlled by your love. So we used the lyrics, my heart yeah. can't beat unless you tell it to. And luckily we were able to get the, the rights to the song because we didn't have it at first. Right. It was just something we wanted. And I'm not good at coming up with movie titles. So we got this long title and we, we were just hoping that we could use it and yeah. we were able to. That's so funny. That's like as, as soon as I finish writing a script and I'm like, oh, what am I going to yeah. call this? Like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, like I, just, I don't like I just want to film it. Like it's, there's so many things you can call it. And then, you know, then how close to something else. Now people are going to think like our last film, there's actually yeah. like a low budget film that has almost the same title. So it's like that comes up first in the search. Like, I hate that whole process of it. But the title yeah is what pulls you in. Cause I'm like, that's gotta be connected to someone. I noticed your shout out also to the, the postcard was Miami. I'm like, they're, they're from Miami. So yeah. I was like, that <laughs> yeah, was yeah. pretty cool. Um, the, the one thing that I also found really interesting was that I think the common, uh, the sort of common direction that people would have gone in this type of story would have been to say, okay, he, he, he's satiated, he gets blood and he's good until he gets his next dose. But this kid never seemed good. Like no matter what they gave him, it was like the blood was just enough to sustain him, to keep him alive, but never well. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, you know, the, the common sort of direction would have been to have, have, have him, you know, traipsing about and then become weak. But it was like, it was almost like their efforts were just in vain. Like they were taking yeah. such drastic measures yeah. at just to keep his heart beating you know like because nothing else was you know so his decision at the end was like yeah i get that because what kind of life is this really and if anything happens to uh patrick's character it's over like how is this this kid's gonna die anyway like there's no way he could go out and he doesn't have the the energy even at night to pull somebody into the house so i think that that goes back to when you're when you're trying to tell a story about your family but using horror to Mm -hmm. use as a vehicle to speak about those things first i think it gives you a little bit of distance so maybe it's not so bleak as just having a film about hospice because that would be so sad um you can hide in it in a way that it makes it sort of fun because you can dig into these tropes but at the same time it's cool because it spells out the rules a little bit because we even the way that Owen walks in the movie, we were kind of like mimicking the way that my grandma would like shuffle around the house with her slippers. Mm -hmm. And it goes, it always goes back to that thought of like, when someone is sick, they're not really good and then bad. They're kind of bad and then worse. So I think that was the idea. It's like, 
he needs this just to wake up. Like he's bedridden until he has blood. And then when he has blood, he can kind of like play in the house mm-hmm. and do like math and stuff. But I didn't ever want him to be like, you know, this kind of Bram Stoker yeah. archetype where the, once they have blood, they're like filled with vitality and youth, right. which I, I think is awesome. But it just wasn't for this movie. Right. It's just a typical vampire hospice film. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. So um, I found out there's another there's sorry, there's another film from Colombia in the 80s. I was watching the film in theater, my film in a theater in Miami, in this local theater. And after the film, this guy came up to me and he said, have you ever seen Pura Sangre, uh, Pure Blood? Mm -hmm. And apparently there's this movie that's similar from Colombia in the 80s about this old man and his family has to go out and get blood for him because he's dying. And they're just like feeding him blood. And I thought that that was so cool, especially because of the Colombian thing. Yeah, yeah. I love that this is like your first feature. Yeah. Like that's I, that's always so impressive to me, you know, when when I see something that I'm like, because, you know, we we haven't ventured into that mostly just because of time and money. And it's like, well, it's money, a, money. Yeah, mostly <laughs> yeah, money, yeah. Mo- yeah. mostly money. I mean, yeah. a lot of our stuff is self-funded. We'll get a little bit in like raising, you know, on Kickstarter or something, but it's mostly out of pocket. So we can't really go further than shorts. And I totally relate to like I, I have a feature that I've written. And will I remember, you fund it? That's the question. Though. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I have I have a feature that I've written and I remember thinking like, OK, when I sat down to be like, I'm going to intentionally write a feature. I thought of it in short form and then tried to fill in the blanks and then wound up having to go back to it like two or three times because I found that I didn't know what to do with all this time because I'm so used to like we have to tell the story. Yeah. And, 15 to, to 30 minutes. And so it was like, I don't know, what are they doing in between the like first, second and third act? There's just those main plot points. And then so what do they do? I don't know. She has coffee. They go by like, you know, just <laughs> like we never, you know, we don't have the, the, the luxury, I guess, of being able to actually give characters time to develop and have, yeah. uh, you know, beats outside of those, those, uh, those main points. And so it's, it is, it's different when you're, like right now I'm thinking of another feature and I'm not even going to start writing it until I think of how to fill yeah. the story because I don't want to do that again. That was, it was a learning, you know, kind of a learning curve a, a bit because I didn't, I don't know. I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that again, but, um, so I, I think you. it's interesting that you did kind of initially just pull the short and then try to fill in that space. Yeah. And I think, also, my show, all my shorts are too long, and they they're almost like short features. <laughs> you guys so are I, like exactly yeah. like us. Everyone last short was like thirty thing. minutes. It was thirty minutes, and like yeah. people what we knew in the industry were like, "You've got to bring that way down." <laughs> like no one's gonna sit through that. I was like, "Shit." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it, yeah, I, I I totally feel you. Like, I it's hard to f- sometimes. And we've gotten this this critique where they say like this feels like it would be a better short Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes you just have to be unafraid of sitting with characters and just like letting them develop even if it's just private moments where they're not really doing anything Mm -hmm. i think it's like interesting i love films that you just sitting with a character and getting into their headspace even if they're not doing anything and then also i i i like doing this where if you get stuck, just add in another character because 
not a main character, but add someone who's going to bring out their traits because mm -hmm. then you see them interact. Like when this kid comes in, it totally changes everyone's dynamic because they're all trying to fit to the norms of this person who kind of represents the outside world. So I think that's like, that helped me a lot. It's like, how do we add another character? Um, like the sex worker, she wasn't in the film and Kenny's like, what if Dwight goes and sees someone to have sex like yeah. he just needs his pleasures and gratification and then we just took it a step above that and thought like he probably pays for conversations because right. he's so lonely mm -hmm. and then it's like how so you, you get to reveal more of him through another character as well and then yeah. you develop that other character too and then even more so in the guy that he kidnaps yeah uh because he's yeah. lost that conversation and uh yeah, you know this guy, and then there's, and and the irony is that there's there's a, a communication barrier, yeah. so they he, yeah, he yeah. kidnaps somebody that he can't, he can't even, even communicate with really, yeah. um, and and just has to kind of see that emotion. Yeah, when he's like that poor Who's guy, this? and when he asked him who he was, and it was like the guy who helped yeah. him come to America. Yeah, and he's like, do you miss him? Because he still thinks it's yeah. like his his relative yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like that the communication error that he has and it goes down to like the the stripped down level of language just goes to show how they can't have relationships and of course i wanted to have some sort of a of a subplot about immigration and the way that they're like pushed to the fringe of society because mm -hmm. of my my parents being immigrants and i just thought it was it would be interesting to play with language in that way and fun fact the picture is a picture of my dad that's my dad in in the oh, you know when when he came to Miami, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I felt really bad for that guy. I mean, I knew I was like, oh this guy's God. gonna die. I was yeah. like, this guy's gonna die. Poor but bastard. I I didn't think he would keep him, you know. And, yeah. and keep him. Yeah, well, yeah, he just like you know. <laughs> he Shaun of the Dead him. He in the yeah, he he Shaun yeah. of the Dead <laughs> him, and and uh, and you know, it it added such an an additional element to the desperation that he had right, for contact. You know yeah. that it was like. He's going to, it's not that he doesn't know better. He realizes this is not an ideal situation to have somebody in, but like, I'm going to just glaze over the fact that this guy's tied up and just try to have a, a Yeah, because he's so desperate to talk yeah. to anybody that even though yeah. he's talking to someone that he knows doesn't understand him, he still needs to get this stuff out, you know. And the connection between both of them sort of, sort of being in the same spot, but in a different way. Like there was... You know, the, this guy had had immigrated. He had been sort of forced into the situation he was in, the same as he had been forced into the situation that he was in. And so there was almost that common thread between them that just uh, was unfortunate. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just, I really, I really thought it was a, it was a solid film. It was really cool. I, I love that. Thanks. This was your your first film. You did a great job. Like. It we're just, proud of you. you. <laughs> we're proud of you. I'm sure that means the world to you. Um, it does. It does. It's very, it's very nice. I think in in this during this time, I just appreciate anyone reaching out. Like I just get so excited to talk about it because it's been weird. Like yeah. I for my short films, I I was used to like flying out, going to festivals, mm -hmm. meeting people. But then for this, it's almost like I've been pulled back into virtual world and I haven't really met even other filmmakers that we've kind of shared a festival circuit with yeah. mm -hmm. and it's kind of sad but I, I like to take it for what it is and all this stuff is like great so I appreciate it. 
and it and it's and it's 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 done well or it is doing well yeah um you know on this festival circuit because it's you know you've you've won some stuff and and you know it's got a lot of recognition so um, yeah. we're proud of you for that as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but yeah i mean yeah. it's it's so well deserved and um it's uh yeah i we definitely are are, are going to be um, watching, watching your career and and, and yeah, whatever else you got. Uh, what are you working up. on next? Or are you <laughs> thinking of anything yet? Yes, I have a script, a new script now, and it's uh, werewolves. It's a possession body horror movie about okay. Colombian immigrants in Miami in the 1980s. So it's gonna be oh, kind. It's gonna be like almost all in Spanish. And it's okay. kind of about this miscommunication, that scene in the movie with the immigrant. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot about that and a lot about how oh. this immigrant loses her identity when she comes to the United States, mm. What, but told through body horror. So. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I like that. Can I audition? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. I don't... You're far too white looking. I am. I'm very white passing. <laughs> I realize that. Um, but... Uh, my, my accent is good. Just don't don't ask me to come up with things on my own. If I'm scripted, I can totally pull it off. <laughs> um, well, that's that's. Do you have a title for that yet? Yes, Año Viejo. Año Viejo. Okay. Old year. Yes. Old year. Yeah. Did you? Uh, it's shorter. It's shorter. <laughs> it's not, is look, it I'm is it linked to a the... song at all? How did how did we get here? It's not linked to a song, but there's actually a song that we want to use called Año Viejo. <laughs> <laughs> but but um. I was like, all right, all these, when we were creating Instagrams, Facebooks, we were reaching the character limit on everything with this long mm-hmm. ass title. So yeah. we're like two words max. Yeah. No, yeah. no more of this nine word titles. And how far which, which in, I love. in, in the, in that film are you currently, if you can even say. Yeah. Right now I just finished the second draft, which you know how that is like yeah. doing an extensive, you have the first draft, you're like, okay, I'm done. And then mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. completely not done like you have to rehaul the whole script but um luckily i've signed with great agents and a great manager and they've been helping me kind of build it from the ground up and we're gonna start pitching it to some production companies that i've had the opportunity to connect with and Mm -hmm. see where it goes maybe late next year we'll be on set nice that's awesome and uh, i assume that the the success of this film has kind of opened some doors for the for this for that for this film yeah, just like the from signing to these like uh, this agency and the manager, they that really gives you that infrastructure as a filmmaker to at least in my perspective, I've always done everything like DIY, which I still want to do. And that's still my mindset. Mm-hmm. But it gives me a little bit more of a of a path like they can push me toward these people that I can meet and then, you know, like meeting production companies that I just think the script will be a fit for. And yeah. being able to pitch to them is, is something that maybe I wouldn't have been able to do with my first. You know? Right, right. Nice. I was trying to think, um, I was going through uh, our past shows because what this concept reminded me of a bit was post-mortem. Mm, yeah. Did you see that show on Netflix? No, but I I've, I know of it. I yeah, it's it. it ha- I mean, it's more comedic. It's, it's more comedic and, and a little more fantastical. Yeah, it's more fantastical and 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 it's more comedic. But it had that same sort of vibe where it was like there was there was some backstory, but not a whole lot, you know. And that's yeah. that's what 
we loved so much about that show was that the characters were what made it. I didn't even need all of that backstory yeah. because they were yeah. just kind of it telling the story. That element as kind of yeah, set, absolutely not set dressing, but as kind of like a, a basis. It's like, again, you could take it away and you still have mm-hmm. something to kind of latch on to. Yeah. So we'll we'll have yeah. the the you know we'll have the poster up and the link and everything. And uh, thank you so much for being cool. on. And we'll. Hopefully, hopefully have you back on. Talk to you in a year. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got to film yeah. it edit, and we've got to edit too, so give yeah. him a little bit, little bit of time. <laughs> but we'd love to have you back on to to see what you do next. Yeah, next time I'll I'll bring my brother. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank right. you so much. Thanks so much. Bye. Yeah. All right. So that was Jonathan Cuartas and um, little JC. A little fun fact that because we were you know we have our combos after mm-hmm. after the fact um, little fun tidbit that didn't get in there that I wanted to add was that uh, one of their producers was actually the first victim in the film, Yeah, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I wish we'd gotten that in. I didn't want to leave that out because that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So shout out to that guy. Yeah. He died well. <laughs> he died well. Mm-hmm. He did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah. So um, yeah, we're going to have... Yeah, can't thank him enough for, for coming on. He was, uh, you know, you gotta, if you haven't seen the film, you it's really been spoiled should. for you, but you should still you really see should. it. It's on it's Amazon. So I think it was like six bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not not a lot. You have, There's no excuses if you yeah. if you have money for like a value meal, you can watch the movie. Is that what they're nowadays, a value meal? They're, they're like six, six bucks. bucks. <laughs> That's a value nowadays. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, so so please check it out. We're excited to see what else he's going to do. Um, this is this guy's first film, his first feature, feature film. film yeah. Like that is an amazing, amazing feat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so uh, I don't know what's going on next week. We'll figure it out. We're we're approaching the holiday season. Things are kind of like chaotic, and so we know how this goes. Over the past couple of years, we kind of slowed down a bit on guests in in December, but um, you know. Yeah, all of that. Shout outs. Shout outs uh, to MoGraph, first and foremost. Yes. And uh, if you have a feature film that you've done for the first time that you happen to do really well, that's about a <laughs> only, vampire. Only that. Yeah. But it's not a typical vampire film, yeah. let us know. Yeah. So we can. We're so only we can accepting watch that. those types of films. Now. Yeah. I, I almost <laughs> hate to say it's a vampire film because it's like hearing right. zombie film. People yeah. are like, I'm out. And it's like, no, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. Hear me out. That's why you it's can't. It's not what you think. Yeah, you can't really go in. <laughs> it's more of a. Uh, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't even say that because I think there's such a, a negative connotation with that kind of thing, you know, with I know saying but how it's else a vampire do you market film. that when it's like, well, it's a like, marketing well, thing. Yeah. It's tricky. You just yeah. want to say it's like a horror film, you know, and let them figure that out. Like I did. That's one of the things I enjoyed about watching it was discovering that and then questioning it and then getting it like going through that ride was super fun. I think that you actually got a little bit, um, confused because i wouldn't really put on a a vampire film so you were like it's a vampire film <laughs> like, mm. and i was like no 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 just wait it out yeah, it's not like what you think it, was it going is at that point you know and then for a while i was certain that that it wasn't a vampire film and but they but the but the the brother and sister were mentally ill or the sister at least was mentally ill I thought and that was kid like wasn't obsessed with be like giving him blood and that's why yeah. he's sick. I thought he wasn't going to be a yeah. vampire. I was like, oh, he's going to go out there and his skin's going to be fine. Nope, 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 he's yeah. a vampire. <laughs> so so we can call this like a plasmic drama. An anti yeah. yeah. <laughs> a plasma yeah. thriller. A bile <laughs> drama, apparently. <laughs> it's a compliment. <laughs> your your color grading, your palette is that of a fine bile. Yeah. Is that not is that not is a that nice what he said to, to this like 
Uh, so what, what do you think for the color grading? Um, do you know bile? <laughs> Can you really pull out the bile tones of the... Have you ever <laughs> seen a bucket of stomach acid? Yeah. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. It worked is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Next week. Bye. Bye.